Hello everybody, this is Dan Woods at Early Adopter Research, and this is the Designing Enterprise Platforms podcast. Today we're talking to Brendan Hannigan, the CEO and co-founder of Sunry Security. Sunry Security is a company that helps govern and secure public cloud platforms. What we're going to be talking about today is my research theme for RSA 2020, which is focused on cybersecurity platforms and specifically on why they've been so slow to develop. We're going to ask Brendan about, have platforms in cybersecurity been slower to develop in other domains? Why has the rise in point solutions been so broad and persistent? Are we entering a phase in which broad platforms will emerge and take more of the share of spending? And if not, how will all the point solutions be made to work together? Before we get into those questions, I'd like to talk to you and explain a little bit more about Sunry and Brendan's background. Brendan, you've been in cybersecurity for a long time. You know, what did you do before Sunry, and what is Sunry all about? Yeah, so thanks, Dan, and it's it's nice to be part of your uh, podcast here. So, firstly, I started out building switches and routers many, many years ago at Digital Equipment Corporation. I've always been associated with networking and security for a long time. Um, I built a company called Q1 Labs along with uh, Sandy Bird, my co-founder at Summary Security, and a, and a great team over there. We built a security intelligence and analytics solution, which actually has become a pervasive platform. That company was sold uh, in 2011 to IBM, and then I was asked to run IBM Security. So we, I, I actually was the sort of founding general manager of IBM Security. We built that division uh, into be a $2 billion business, and we grappled with this problem of platforms versus point solutions every day of the week. Uh, I left. I left that business. It's, it continues to grow well for IBM, and now I'm involved with it. Now, you know, primarily with Sunry uh, Security, building out a solution to help companies govern and secure AWS, Azure, and Google environments. But I've also been involved with some other ventures as well. I was chairman of Twistlock, which was building a solution for DevOps environments, and I'm on the boards of Bitside and Flashpoint. Excellent. And Sunray's admission is essentially to be able to come to any of the public cloud platforms and to create what I call a trust network or a trust graph of all of the relationships where people, you describe what has access to what. And then with that massive trust graph created, you can now understand vulnerabilities, you can understand uh, uh, ways that you can fix them, you can automate processes of analytics, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And, and actually, you sort of... So what I like to say is that the way in which we build technology value has changed from stem to stern, and we need to revisit how we deliver and govern and secure these environments. We have to do that from top to bottom, and that's what we're focused on helping our customers do. One key element of that is this concept of the control points in these public clouds, and they've changed for what we were used to in what I call the old world of data centers. The, control, the key control points now are identity data and the workload itself, and specifically, and not the firewall, and not the firewall, right. not the perimeter, not the device, not the IP address, not the things that actually everybody at the RSA conference, quite frankly, spends a lot of time focusing on. It's a new set of control points because it's a new way in which we deliver technology value. And our job, the platform we're trying to build, actually, is to help our customers understand identify risk associated with the connections and the identities and access to data and the rights in these platforms, find that risk, eliminate that risk, and make sure it never reappears. 
but to do that in the context in which they're using those cloud environments, which is very different than a traditional data center involved, development teams, cloud teams, security teams, audit teams, it's a much more complex environment, quite honestly. So that's part of the problem space we're going after. Excellent. And for those who are wondering, Sunry is the Irish language word for data. That is right. And... Um, We've always had a challenge in, in pronouncing it. Pronouncing it, I had said Sunray earlier, which is not correct. And Sunri is the way it's pronounced usually between us. But but I looked on a site and uh, of an Irish pronunciation site, and they said Sunray yeah. is, is it, the actual it, 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 Irish it language it uh, accent. We, we go and have people say it, and, 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 and people people say it how it's spelled. So, it's a so, so I'm going to say Sunray for this pod, yeah. podcast. Uh, uh, so. In any event, let's start with the first question. Have platforms in cybersecurity been slower to develop in, than in other domains? And as I said when we were prepping, what I'm referring to mostly is sort of the development of enterprise software and ERP. Yeah. We, you know, in 1990, SAP had a small footprint of uh, you know, finance and, and administration as their, their domain. And then CRM, S supply chain management, human resources management, lots of other three-letter acronyms came up and, and whole software you know, uh, products were created around them. And then by the 2000s, SAP had incorporated all those into an umbrella yeah. platform. Why, it, though if we look at the, the show floor here at RSA, it's still dominated by point solutions. Why haven't we gotten a platform yet? So there's two, there's multiple things which are happening. There's, there's unique dynamics in our market. There's unique situations in terms of venture funding, and there's unique dynamics of how people are buying our buyers. We all have a part of this, what I would call the challenge. And the challenge I represent is as follows. If I look at, say, let's look at, at, at again, if we look at old world data centers, traditional databases, we ended up with three dominant databases, right? Microsoft, Oracle, IBM. I always like to say as it comes to cybersecurity, there's probably we'd never end up with three vendors. It can't ever happen. There's reasons for it. But there's probably somewhere that's better between three and 3,000 right, of right. what customers are dealing with. So what's happening? Firstly, there is a dynamic in security, but often it's also a bit of an excuse, which we all use to explain the complexity. The dynamic in security is the very nature of the threat dynamically changes. When you have built something which is addressing a particular weakness in the infrastructure we have, then by definition, the criminals are going to exploit new ways in which they can get access to uh, sensitive data. They're going to exploit new technologies as they emerge. That creates a level and a need for innovation and change which is unique to cybersecurity. That level of change is not demanded in other environments. It is demanded in cybersecurity because we don't live in a world of just customers and vendors. We actually live in a world of customers, vendors, and external threat actors, and we don't control those external threat actors. Right, and so the analogy to like the ERP world is if the ERP world was like cybersecurity, there would have been a bunch of venture capitalists attacking these problems that were of really high value you know, with uh, lots of money and, and, and new uh, investment to create problems, to solve those problems. And if that were the case, maybe we wouldn't have gotten platforms in the air. We, uh, maybe, actually, but you see, what would happen there is the customers would say, that problem is not, you see, the dynamic on the buying side of it is, even if people were saying, hey, I've got 50 new problems solved for you this week, 
you know, and, and they're new relative even last year. The customer would say, I can't absorb these right now. Whereas in cybersecurity, some of these things must be addressed because they're new and emerging threats which have to be right. dealt with. And that's one of the ways that I came up with yesterday of thinking this through, and that is if you've got a hole in your roof, you're worried about patching the hole in your roof more than you're worried about whether that patch integrates with all the other patches you have in your roof. Exactly. That's a, that's a good way to do it. Now, I would say that's, that's always going to exist in cybersecurity. That's always going to require a level of innovation uh, that buyers want, that the market needs, and that the venture community will support. So that has to happen. But, now, but, but, but uh, I mean, but let's say now you get to that landscape where you have lots of different point solutions. It seems to me that the same reason that we got platforms in other realms, we, there's a demand for them in this realm. We, we, people want integration and they don't want to pay for it themselves. You, so People want modeling of a larger scope of activity and they, they don't want to have to build it themselves. People want automation that can span all of the point solutions. People want threat intelligence that, that every part of the cybersecurity platform can participate in, both in gathering information and in benefiting from other things, and they want a simplified management approach, and then finally they want to be able to still support an ecosystem where a point solution can come into this larger platform. I mean, there's definitely a, a desire for platforms. The question is, can they we are ever get there? There is in theory. Yeah, yeah. So in theory there is, because customers clearly would say, I want it. And actually I would say the dynamic, well, we've said this for a long time. So when I said earlier, there's a market dynamic, there's also a buying dynamic. And the buying dynamics is that, you know, customers have, you know, a lot of security buyers in particular have been very technology-oriented buyers. They have looked at external threats. They have bought technologies to address those external threats, which are rational decisions. I think sometimes the buyers have not taken into account, and vendors, this is vendors slash buyers, the complexity of actually getting some of these solutions deployed and operational in the real world. In other words, people have solutions to solve problems, but they're not taking into account the complexity of it. And so they have this propensity to purchase point solutions because they feel it will address it. And it would address it if they had extremely technical people to deploy all these 10 point solutions. I think, you know, enterprises now and buyers are much more enlightened than they were just a few years ago where they realize, hang on a second, how can I deploy this? Do I have the people to deploy it? Do I have the people to operate it? And if the answer to those questions are, well, hang on, I'm not sure I do, they're going to be more likely to look and say, yes, I'm going to go for a more broader solution potentially because it will um, be actually possible for me to deploy it. And this is also driving the, the, the trend toward managed uh, services that are, that, are, that are becoming sort of platform-like integrations. There is. I, I would say as follows. If you look at it, it's not like platforms have emerged in, in security. So they're just a little bit more ephemeral than platforms that have emerged in other spaces. So for example, my own experience. We started out as a very point product with the Q1 Labs product. Um, which was basically a network activity monitor. Then we added functionality relating to security intelligence, uh, SIM and, and event management. Then we added functionality related to um, analytics associated with vulnerability. And we kept adding functionality. And eventually, you could certainly say at this point in time, you know, after we sold it and after we grew it at IBM and then it continued to grow, it's a half a billion dollar platform, a 
here. It's basically established across the world. It is a security intelligence platform. It's aggregated many different things. And so it actually has, there are platforms in the area of security intelligence and analytics. There's also platforms which have emerged in the area of endpoint. So if you look at what CrowdStrike has done, if you look at what Silence has done, if you look at CrowdStrike, you would say that is an endpoint platform. Here's what's different at Dan is that if you looked at a timeline, timeline, you'd say, well, we have an endpoint platform, we've got a SIM platform, we've got identity platforms. Some of those ERP platforms you described or some of those database platforms, they last for decades, right? They have once the aggregation happened. In this world, CrowdStrike replaced a previous set of platforms, the McAfee's and the, the Spantex And you'd say, well, how come that, how did that happen? What happened is, that the platforms themselves became platforms, they gave a level of stability to customers, but then this relentless need for innovation, they didn't keep up. It was hard for those platforms to react to the changing nature of the threat, quite frankly. They were focused on antivirus, they couldn't address new and emerging threats. So the platform, as time went on, its effectiveness declined. That doesn't happen in the enterprise software world at the same rate. Here it happens that the decay rate is faster for platforms. There's a decay rate. And that decay rate is inevitable. I, I hate to say it for our, our you know, dear customers who are listening. That decay rate of platforms in security is inevitable because big vendors are not great at innovating around smaller problems. They just aren't. And so their platforms get stale. The other thing right, is... And so, like, like, and so the decay rate, like the innovators' dilemma problem cycle happens much faster. It happens faster. And, and the other thing is as well, you know, it's just, we know, so, you know, companies, they purchase technologies, their platforms are not keeping up, they acquire smaller vendors. The execution perfection required to integrate a small company and for it to be effectively successful for the next 10 years, for example, which is what you need for these things to last, is a hard, very few people in our business are good at that acquisition and integration to keep it all effective. And so that actually also well, contributes to the decay rate. And also, the logic of a platform is that you have a bunch of related point solutions that then start being able to be exposed to each other. Yes. Now, the reason that you need a platform is that if you look at those point solutions separately and use them as separate products, the amount of data that you can exchange through APIs or the amount of scope of control of you have over the product through the APIs is much smaller than what you can actually do with the product. Yes. And so the integrations are have to go through these little straws and, and of narrow functionality, narrow visibility. But once you put all those inside a large platform, you can take off the, the restrictive APIs and you can share all of the data, you can share all of the functionality because you, you know the person using it is inside the company. Now that's theoretically the reason that a platform would work. One of the big, and then of course, if you then have a product roadmap where each of those point solutions is moving forward in ways that help each other, then you start getting you know, increasing returns on that. The problem is doing that, assembling the platform by, by acquisition means that you have a whole different set of development constructs in one part of your point solution than in another. And I think the vendors have, un, have not uh, appreciated how difficult it is to acquire something and bring it into a platform. I mean, some of the vendors like Fortinet are saying, look, fundamentally, most of the platform has to be built from the ground up to be a platform in order for this all to work. It, 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 so there's, there's what I would call there's like these core functions um, which have to be architected in, which allow for this 
broad functionality through integration. But the core function, it just has to be developed from the ground up. I will tell you, that's what we're doing in summary, which is we're basically building a platform to help govern and secure AWS Azure and Google. And honestly, it's a big, heavy lift because we want to be able to do it and build something that can then reach out and integrate other sources into our environment. And, you know, it's actually interesting because while we do that, we still have to solve point problems so that customers can actually acquire our solutions. Right. Well, you know, that's one of the things that's so interesting that I've studied as a, a person who helps with the product marketing layer of most of my vendors. And that is, you can never sell the platform. You can only sell point solutions. You know, and then once you buy the point solution, the, pla the, pla the, the fact that the platform exists gives people comfort. And then, then they can implement more point solutions in the platform. But you, you can, you always have to talk about the platform. But you, you, know, you can almost never sell the platform. Yeah, you're selling a platform as a business. From a vendor perspective, a platform is a business strategy. Um, you have to have products that solve specific solutions to help our customers. I do actually think it's interesting. I think in, so I actually think the world is now broken in, broken into two two parts. There's old world, new world. Old world is actually everything you know we've, we're used to: data centers, perimeter firewalls, endpoints, and things. I actually think there's opportunities for you know a slower decay rate and more stability in that world. And why? It's because, quite frankly, the greatest innovation now is happening in a new world, and that new world is actually happening in the public cloud providers. If I'm developing technology and deploying technology. The move is on for enterprise to put that into public cloud. What that means is the underlying changes in the traditional data center technologies will slow down. The actual underlying and even attacks and the, the amount and, and uh, the perturbation of what's happening in those environments will slow down. And so I think there's opportunities for probably for further aggregation in traditional data center environments. Um, I will say as follows though, when you we talk about decay rate and emergency platforms, when you then talk about um, these new environments, new DevOps cycles, security shifting left, building in this new world, um, it'll be very hard for big vendors to come in and aggregate all these little companies and build platforms because it's changing too quick. This is a small, this is, an, I, I, I like to say, we call ourselves now that I'm back in the, in the building business, the emerging vendor world. When, you're, when you've got this level of innovation and this level of change, it is the world of emerging vendors because they can react to the situations that they well, see, the situations okay. of customers, and so, that's where the new platforms so, will come from. So now we're, um, we're getting further down into the questions. We answered essentially why has the rise in point solutions been so broad and persistent? You know, you, you told me about the fact that there's, there's uh, you know, constant change and that there's urgency to solve the problem unlike another, you know, there was no urgency to fill white space in enterprise software, yeah. but there's an urgency to solve any new attack vector. So, and then the idea here is we're just starting on answering the last two questions, which are, are we entering a phase in which broad platforms will emerge and take more of the share of spending? And then if not, how will the point solutions be made to work together? You just addressed the first of those questions. And basically your answer, the way I understand it, is that yes, we are going to have more platform-like uh, capabilities from emerging companies. The same thing that, that, that CrowdStrike, Silence, Carbon Black did in endpoint detection response will happen as, as point solutions in the cloud are integrated into larger things. They will never be as broad as they were in the enterprise software, I told. But they will be coherent platforms, but they won't last as long. 
And so, yes, we're going to get platforms, but in, in the cybersecurity world, instead of having three platforms, like you said, in the database world, we're going to have 10 or 15 or something yeah, like that. It's probably up to 10. Yeah. And then, and then the idea that I talked yesterday was about is that one of the reasons is that the commonality of requirements isn't there. Like cybersecurity for a web application e-commerce site is a whole different thing than cybersecurity for a small business. That is a whole different thing for cybersecurity for a large multinational organization. And so you'll have platforms attacking each of those common those common requirements. There will and, and well let's look for an example actually and if you look at some of the segments where clearly there's aggregations and platform functionality. Look at firewalls and next generation firewalls. Then there emerged um, sand, you know, uh, sandboxing technologies, which emerges of FireEye, and lots of other vendors at that time. They actually got aggregated into these next generation firewalls. That's not going to keep happening. There's two reasons why it's not going to keep happening. They've solved some wonderful problems. And guess what? There's not going to be investors and customers don't need the next next generation firewall. They're focused on something else. They're very happy with that. They will work on that, but that's just not, it's not like there's going to be screaming innovation trying to figure out how to build the next next generation firewalls in a traditional data center. People are focused on other things. How do they manage the complexity of identities in public cloud environments? And so that will allow aggregation in that old world, which is good for customers in that old world, although it's not going to let them off the hook because the, uh, the churn and change will be happening in, in the newer environments. Okay, so like once you solve the problem, you don't need a next next generation firewall. You, exactly. you know, you you solve the problem, and then that problem will either persist or decay. But then then you go into the sort of financial platform, you know, sort of role where maybe one company buys up all of the uh, the next generation firewalls. There's, there's a clearly an opportunity for aggregation there, and yeah. um, that could happen. And it, it's actually it, it's a good example where then bigger companies because of the the, the slower pace of innovation, their, their risk associated with this change and their platform decaying is lower, and so they can do that aggregation. Well, there was a great point made in the keynote this morning by the gentleman who was doing a, a talk on the international uh, uh, threat assessment from basically state actors describing what they were doing. But at the end of it, he, he provided a critique of the RSA show, and he said, you know, if you're a practitioner in cybersecurity and you walk the RSA show, they say, hey, do this, hey, do that, you know, and they, they, there's lots of specific advice, but there's no advice on how do you create a coherent set of priorities and then select technologies inside of those priorities and then make the trade-offs that you need to make to, to get, just to make sure that the money you spend solves most of your problems. Now, I'd like to ask you now, how do all these pool solutions come together in a coherent form? And this is what I've written a, a research mission about it earlier about the research. The research mission is, is about creating a balanced cybersecurity portfolio. How, if you were a practitioner, would you face this world and determine you know, how to integrate all these point solutions, which of these you know, platforms or you know, smaller platforms to, to, to integrate? And then you know make the trade-offs. I think you make the trade-offs as follows, which is so the most important thing when you're trying to consume technology and in, in, in this type of world is you basically pick you know I would call them the anchor tenants, the anchor tenants in a, in a mall, right? The anchor store. You pick your anchor platforms, 
And, and those platforms have dynamics of they have to have the innovation and functionality, but they also have to have the ability to get deployed and used by mere mortals, by normal human beings. So that's the first thing that's key. Because then you actually have the ability to make them lasting. The second dynamic is making sure they're open. In other words, that they allow for the interconnection with other entities and other capabilities that are delivering some kind of a, a, a point function. So if you look at the successful platforms, if you look at actually what we did with Curator, is uh, we built this whole app environment that now uh, the IBM Curator team has managed to basically you, you know, really go forward. You know, Splunk did this too. It's, they have a platform, but they have a very broad ecosystem that allow people to use that as the foundation and then deliver some of these, these functions. And then after that, people have to be discerning. And this is a buyer behavior, which is, you know what? I mean, we don't need to have 55,000 of these things for some of these problems. If they evaluate risk appropriately, they are going to basically be discerning about how many new technologies that they can bring in and what are the balancing acts between where those technologies are applied to the critical well, data and can they consume it. Right, and, and I think that the key there is where is it that you need the best you can get in terms of cybersecurity capability and where is it that you need a pass-fail system? You know, because there are certain places where you, you just need something that's good enough to stop you know, the, the above average hacker. Yeah, here's... And there's other places where you have to have the crown jewel protected in every way and monitored in every way and, and you know, with you know, deception and proactive other measures like that. And the thing is, I don't think any CISO ever wants to say, well, in this realm of cybersecurity, we can get a pass-fail, it's good enough. And that actually, so this is something I've talked about for, honestly, for an awful long time, which is, you know, I used to call it, and I, we still do, that somebody who used a crown jewel methodology all the time, which is a risk-based approach to cybersecurity, which is you're tailoring, you're tailoring your approaches depending on the criticality of the information which you are adopting. You don't have a strategy of a technology across all these dimensions. And really amazing customers do that, so that yes, they're actually investing more, they're applying very sophisticated analysts and other people to specific portions of our infrastructure. And for other portions of our infrastructure, they don't have the same level of complexity because they just feel like A, the risk is lower, and B, the capabilities to absorb and deploy the technologies is also lower, actually. And so that is absolutely critical, then. And that is, um, you know, it's critical. Got it. And this is behaviors that uh, successful companies exhibit. And then, how have you seen the hybrid world being managed by the best customers that you're dealing with? Because as we've talked about, and I've worked with Sunry on a yeah. variety of webinars, yeah. one of the themes of those webinars is that this, the cloud security is a completely new world. It is. Like, yeah, and you mentioned when we were prepping, and, and also in the, uh, the your previous comments that the control points in the cloud are different, more sophisticated, built for the cloud. And so, if, if the, the 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 most badass cybersecurity practitioner in the past might have been a firewall guru, yeah, and now the most badass uh, uh, cybersecurity practitioner will be an identity access management and service control policy and log analysis expert, perhaps. 
it's a very it's it's different and I, I sort of I, I like to say I, I, I go against what I was saying some of the earlier things about the aggregation platforms in this world and the reason is as follows everything has changed the way we develop software has changed the nature of how we're building software has changed the nature of the rate at which it's developed has changed the way people can create infrastructure on the fly has changed who's doing it has changed it used to be IT and it's not anymore all of those things have changed in that world, it is not going, and I will declaratively say it, it is not going to be possible to take a legacy platform and somehow jackhammer it into this new world and for them to spam. It won't be possible. A legacy cybersecurity platform. It's too hard. You mean legacy yes, cybersecurity? It's too hard. There's certain things you might be able to do, but from a pure risk, governance, and security perspective, you have to have it from a native perspective, which means it's built from the ground up. Now that says you're going to have a new set of technologies to manage this new world, but it also says there's a new set of opportunities. There's things you can do in the new world that are just unbelievably complex to do in the old world. I can keep track of every identity. We can build a graph of every identity and what it can access in every element of the cloud. It's so hard to do that in the old world. It's possible in the cloud. Right, and some of this comes from the, the properties of the cloud. It such is. Such as like the idea in, in the cloud, everything is billable. That means everything must be trackable. And the cloud vendors have done that for their own benefit and for yours. Exactly. And if you, you can then leverage that benefit from a cybersecurity perspective, which means you can do things that are just impossible to do in the past. Also, the nature of the information we're going after, what the risks are, how we evaluate those risks, and how we remediate them are just totally different. It, there's, it's just a totally different planet. So customers have to accept that. They have to embrace it, actually, and believe not just that they're trying to secure the new world, but actually that their goal should be we can deliver a far superior result in the new world than what was ever possible in the old world. I believe there would be less, you know, 50,000 different vendors, but for now there's going to be quite a few. It's not going to be, the big vendors aren't just going to do it, and honestly your whole platforms are not going to effectively bridge this gap. And then one last question before we leave. One of the things that you might suspect in this new world, the way you've laid it out, is that the platforms will emerge from the public cloud vendors. Now, what do you think the arguments for that are, and what do you think the arguments against that? Great, I love your questions because it's it's uh, we you know I, I this this public cloud environment AWS Azure Google is the greatest set of innovations I have ever seen in my career. They're almost unbelievably powerful. What they can do. Now, they also are developing tools and capabilities in their solutions to help people evaluate risk, to help people enforce security, and clearly those platform providers, clearly they have an important role to play. But in the history of our business, the platform providers have never effectively done a job exclusively on their own of governing and securing their own platforms. It was true in mainframe, it was true in many computers, it was true in Sun Microsystems, it was true with Linux, and it will be true with these public cloud providers. And, and if anybody thinks something will change, in other words, there's something about cloud and the providers that's suddenly magically going to change the outcome that's happened in all of technology, well, the last 14 years would say, that's just not happened. It hasn't happened. Right. There's complexity in there. So There's risk in there that are allowing customers 
with this powerful platform to make unimaginable mistakes. And those unimaginable mistakes have not even be fun, have, haven't even been fully exploited yet by hackers because the hackers are still doing ransomware attacks on, on, on municipalities. This is just people making their own mistakes, shooting themselves in the foot, and leaving their crown jewels open to the world. Is this analogy correct? You're just as like the platforms like OpenView, which came along, or ServiceNow, yep. came along to manage the complexity of these IT environments. Uh, and, and, and also all the cybersecurity you know, vendors came along to manage the complexity of the security and, and a variety of other things. That's the same reason that in cybersecurity you're going to get you know, external uh, uh, platform developers. Now, is, and I have one more question. Yeah, the, the answer is that's exactly, it, it exactly is true. And it has to happen because when, we're, when you're reporting to the board, you've got a brand new infrastructure emerging. You have a brand new way of using that infrastructure, and you cannot go to your board and say, my developers, we've shifted left, my developers at Amazon, they've got your back from a security perspective. It's not going to fly. You have to have companies which will be focused exclusively on your effective use of these platforms, and that will not come from the platform providers themselves. They'll have capabilities that are leverageable, but you have to have an operating model and a program that's dedicated to the task that will span cloud providers, that will span third-party data source. And the cloud providers themselves do a wonderful job in certain scenarios, but quite frankly, they will be doing a disservice if they're telling their customers, just put all everything into the cloud, go whole hog at it, and by the way, you don't need anything else. It's a huge mistake. Got it. And then finally, another reason driving the, the, the um, need for independent companies to do this platformization inside the security is the fact that many companies will want to be able to support a multi-cloud environment and also a hybrid environment. And they just won't have, you know, the nature of the, the beauty of the environment we're in is I can assemble applications. Those applications are assemblies of microservices which could in fact be developed by yourself, developed by some of the cloud providers, or developed by a third party sitting on that cloud provider's. But your job in evaluating and governing risk and security in that environment has to span that, even if you've only one cloud provider. You might be using, for example, HashiCorp Vault on top of Amazon. You have to be able to understand that combination of risk. Yes, so that's an example of something that we do for our customers. Maybe they've got a third-party database store or service. I have to be able to integrate that risk model into the risk model that the cloud provider may have with their native database services. So even in their own environment, it's not, you just can't, it's not the case that anybody's just going to have everything lock, stock, and barrel. Who would do that in this day and age for one provider? So that's one thing. The second thing is, you don't even need, you can be dominant in one cloud provider, and then 20% of your infrastructure is being used by another cloud provider. Your risk is just so much greater if you've got dual operating models from a governance and risk perspective. It is horrifically complicated. In one scenario, it's incredibly complicated if you multiply it by two, and most companies are ending up with three. Got it. Well, this has been a great chat with Brendan Hannigan, the CEO and co-founder of Sunray, Sunray Security. Uh, and uh, we're, we've had a great time talking. This is about the third of uh, the podcasts I'm doing at uh, RSA 2020. And thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Dan. It was wonderful.